Hey, 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 this is your host, Alicia, of the podcast formerly known as The Book of Alicia. So yes, 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 The Book of Alicia has changed its name to Momming, Wifing, and Queening Podcast. We are still going to talk about womanhood, motherhood, and wifeyhood, and everything in between, but I'm just so happy to take on this new journey with you while I empower women to not get lost in whatever roles they are assigned, but to queen them, okay? I may not know everything, but I know some things, so we're going to talk about some things, okay? But before we dive in today, I want to make sure you are able to reach me on social media because guess what I have changed my social media handles as well so you can follow me on Instagram at the Alicia Shaw and that's at T-H-E-A-L-E-S-H-A-S-H-A-W and like my Facebook page the Alicia Shaw you can also follow my blog at www.aliciashavon.com that's www.aleshashevon.com where you're able to get a glimpse of my life and thoughts as well as purchase things like books and shirts I have available on my site. So all y'all ready? Let's get it in. Okay, you guys, so I'm excited to bring to you our guest for today. Her name is Megan Zur, and guess what? She is Mrs. South Dakota America. Okay, so the coolest thing about pageantry is you have awesome, amazing, intelligent women bringing their voice and attention to a platform of their choice. So I know y'all think that it's all about, you know, being on stage with the swimsuit and your gown and looking all glamorous, but really is a a place where women can definitely bring to light their platforms, their voice, and wanting to be able to shed light on things that might necessarily um, be brought to our attention, okay? So because September is National Suicide Prevention Month and it's Recovery Month, I thought it would be awesome to bring Megan on the um, podcast to talk about her platform and her experience, okay? So her platform as Mrs. South Dakota is suicide prevention. She's dedicated to educate the people of South Dakota and now of the masses because she's going to be on with me, Mrs. Delaware, or resources available and to inspire others through sharing her story as a suicide attempt survivor. survivor. She has struggled with depression and anxiety in her life. She has had issues with body sensitive, sorry, body positivity. I'm sorry, y'all, and eating disorders. For these reasons, Megan is driven also to help high schools and college age women know that they don't have to live life that way. So Megan is an active chair of marketing for the Brandon Community Foundation. She's also helped plan the annual step forward to prevent suicide walk with the Help Center. She's also helped work with the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention and is a victorious voice advocate. She's amazing, y'all. So I want to bring her on so she can talk about her story and just inspire and to give you resources on how you too can get help. Let's get it in. Okay, I wanted to do a disclaimer before I um, share the episode. So as I was editing, I realized as we were talking, um, it was via Zoom. So we were able to see each other and see each other's body language and um, interaction and facial expressions and things of that nature. And a lot of times when we were saying the word normal, it was an air quote. So I don't want anyone to think that we were saying there's a particular way to be normal. We were kind of speaking of normal as what society expects to be considered normal, but not necessarily that we agree with the term 
um, normal. So, um, for example, we were talking about um, normal people in those conversations. We weren't necessarily saying that there was a specific or right way to be normal. It was more so of what society um portrayed to be normal. So I wanted to just say that because I don't want anyone to feel like we were um, given a definition of what was considered to be normal or not. We were just explaining the experience of people thinking that because you're doing, you're checking the boxes of life that you're considered normal. So you shouldn't be experiencing those things. And we truly, truly understand that that is not the case and that is not um, the truth. So just wanted to put that disclaimer out there before I share the um the podcast with you guys. So here you go. Great. Okay, so it's Alicia from Mommy Wife and Cleaning Podcast. So today I thought it would be awesome to invite one of my pageant sisters from the Mrs. America class. So if you guys know me, have been following me, you know that I just recently came from Vegas um competing for Mrs. America and one of the ladies who was um, a pageant sister there, has an awesome story that I wanted her to share with you guys because September is National Suicide Prevention Month. And I definitely wanted to hit on that this month. And she had an awesome story that I thought that would be awesome to um, talk about on the podcast. So I'm going to let her, allow her to introduce herself and tell you guys who she is. And she's just going to go into telling her story. And then I'm going to dive in and get get some questions in as well. So go ahead, Megan, introduce yourself to the audience. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I am Mrs. South Dakota. So those of you who are not familiar with South Dakota, I am right under North Dakota and we are definitely in the Midwest. I know some people think it's Kansas and Oklahoma. That is not Midwest. They do not have 40 below winters and we do. uh, And that is where I hail from. I recently got married. We went to Mexico and got married with our closest friends and family. It was wonderful. Uh, I am a huge dog lover. I don't know if kids are in the future for us, but I definitely know there will always be dogs in our lives. I have two currently. I just turned 30 and I randomly decided to do a pageant this year and I won. So then I got to go to Vegas as well. It's been a crazy year and I'm just so excited to have this title so that I can help, hopefully help people uh, through sharing my story and being vulnerable with them. Thank you you for sharing. Yes, of course. Um, My question to you, was this a part of your platform? Was that your platform? Yes. So my platform is suicide prevention. I am personally a suicide attempt survivor. I can't even tell you how many times I've tried. Um, It's been that many times. So I truly feel that the reason... I'm alive today is to share my story with people. Uh, it was, uh, it almost felt like a calling. I don't know if anyone's mm. ever felt that way, like where you just feel pulled to do something, even though it might seem a little taboo or like it might put your family in a weird spot um, or make people uncomfortable. I was just, I don't know, I was just pulled to share my story, even though it isn't something people always talk about and it makes people really uncomfortable. Um, people experience a lot of guilt when I share that I've done that, they Mm -hmm. feel bad that they didn't know, or that I didn't feel comfortable sharing it with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. which is a really strange part of the journey, but yes. So my biggest reason for wanting to do a platform is because I said, if I win my state title, I want to share my story with as many high school, college age kids as I possibly can and adults too, but 
Um, I really noticed the onset of my depression and alcoholism in those high school years and nobody was talking about it. Um, mm. I graduated high school in 2010 and people just weren't talking about that kind of stuff. Mental. I did not know what mental health even was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what's so crazy is I think is becoming more talked about now. Um, I'm not sure if there's more people more comfortable sharing their stories, but yeah, I, I graduated in 2002 and, um, I went to college to, I went and got a master's in psychology and then I wanted to do counseling, mental health counseling. And I remember people saying, not a lot of people go to counseling because no one wants to talk about their issues. No one wants to talk about mental health. So I was kind of a little bit discouraged because I'm like, if I go into counseling, um, am I going to be successful? You know, am I going to be able to have a private yeah. practice if people are not, if people aren't going to even talk about it? So, um, I ended up doing substance abuse when I went out, of, when I got straight out of college and it was definitely still taboo. Like people, um, of course we were getting, of course, a certain population, a lot of people that were okay talking about it were those that were, obviously addicted, um, who were suffering from mental health, dual diagnosis. Yeah. But the, the ones that weren't really talking about it were the ones I feel looked, looked normal. Like they were doing all, they were, they were doing all the right things, but they I were agree. also the ones that are mainly suffering in silence. So that's what kind of drew me to you because when I was listening to your story, I was like, a lot of people don't know that they're experiencing these things because they're checking the box they're doing what they're supposed to be doing absolutely you know so they're like I can't be depressed or or it's just not being they don't notice people don't see it because they think you're doing the right things so tell me more about like how you realize oh this is an issue or I probably need help help about yeah. what I'm feeling or I'm experiencing oh man I'm so thankful for my college experience because uh, I'm personally from a very small town and by very small town, I'm not saying a one stoplight town, but in the scheme of the U S relatively small town. So I came from a small town. I'm so thankful for my college years because I just kind of broadened my horizons in the sense that I met people from not the same place that I was in for the very first time. I wasn't, mm. I didn't have the privilege of traveling growing up. Um, and the community I'm from is fairly wealthy. And so I had never seen any walks of life of, you know, people who were truly impoverished, people who were truly struggling with mental health. Um, I didn't know, I didn't even know what alcoholism was or that you could be like addicted to heroin or addicted to cocaine until I was in college. And mm. that's so scary because oftentimes people experience that stuff and get into their addictions in their very early teens, you know, late teens. Um, and in college, I just thought if you did drugs, you die. Like I knew nothing about you could be living for years and years addicted to heroin. And so when I learned that it scared the snot out of me, it really scared me. Um, and I, I started to notice uh, that I was depressed because I would just start crying, randomly crying. Um, I think that I now, right. I've been going to therapy for about five years now. Now I realize the things I was doing to cover up my depression, to cope with it. I was spending crazy amounts of money on credit cards. Um, mm. 
I didn't have, my mom is still struggling with addiction. Uh, she's a very high functioning alcoholic herself, and she makes really poor money decisions because of that. In my opinion, anyway. And so she told me, oh, if you max out a credit card, get up, get a student loan, just pay it off. And mm-hmm. I had no idea that you had to pay that money back. Student loan, credit card. Uh, and so it, I, I figured it out real quick that I was going to have to work super hard while I was in college mm-hmm. to pay for the things that I was doing, like the spring breaks I was going on, all the clothes I was buying, the handbags, shoes, like you name it. If I saw it and I wanted it, I bought it on a credit card. And when I max it out, take up another student loan. So I didn't notice that I was depressed and doing those things because my friends were doing those things too. You know, not taking out student loans to pay off credit cards, but shopping, Shopping. drinking, partying, uh, working, like all these things that a lot of my friends have anxiety and are diagnosed with anxiety now, or they've changed their habits and started going to therapy and learning coping mechanisms to deal with their personal mental health issues. But we were kind of all in this weird dysfunctional relationship with each other. And I'm really good friends with most of these women still. Um, but we have all just made these huge changes in our lives to deal with our mental health, uh, and get through life and experience life and live it to the fullest. Uh, I am currently the only one of my personal friends, um, that is a recovering alcoholic and that I identify as an alcoholic. I'm Mm -hmm. not here to decide who has an issue with any substance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but as somebody who is in recovery, you really realize how integrated alcohol is with society and the unhealthy relationship people have with it that they excuse because it's so normal to Mm -hmm. go out and get blackout drunk. That's why I was excusing it all those years is because everybody I was surrounded with, we didn't go out because we liked the taste of tequila. You were out and drinking tequila because you wanted to get drunk. Like Mm -hmm. that was the goal and to have fun from such an early age. So I really didn't realize it I had a problem, Alicia, till I was, I mean, I'm only six months sober. Today's my six month sober date or not six, 16 16 months. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) I have tried to be sober several times before I got sober. I would say I noticed I had a problem probably three years ago Mm. and started trying to be sober, seeking ways to have a healthier relationship with alcohol. And what I learned is I just have to cut it out. I can't handle it. Yeah. 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 I think that's uh, I think that's what a lot of people do try to figure out a way to use it in a way that's not going to be detrimental. But if you have an issue with it, oh you yeah, have to cut it out. Yeah, and I come from alcoholics on both sides, so I was kind of a double whammy, like genetic lottery in that regard. Mm-hmm. But nobody was talking about that when I was growing up. Uh, my mm-hmm. mom still struggles, and is actively drinking. We, she was just like the drunk aunt, you know, like, mm-hmm. and a woo girl. And there's alcohol at every family function I've ever been a part of since I grew up. I come from a very large family on my mom's side. My dad's side is large as well. Uh, I didn't know there was an alcohol problem. I just thought that was people just got drunk when they drank. You know, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that that was that people were abusing it, that it was being used to the extent that they were using it. Um, 
it was excused to drink when I was in high school because I was getting straight A's and I was in extracurricular activities and doing sports, working. And my parents were, I truly believe they did the best they could with what they had and the knowledge they had. Uh, but they themselves struggle with that stuff. So they didn't think they're like, oh, Megan's functioning. She's fine. Yeah. But man, I just cringe that I started drinking as early as I did because those are such formative years for your brain. And mm-hmm. now I have to undo yeah. 15 years of drinking and I'm 30. Mm-hmm. So over half my life, I have to learn how to unlearn all of that behavior yeah. and addiction. So was I there like a point? Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, I can't pinpoint when I was like, whoa, I have a problem, you know? Um, honestly, take attempting to take my own life. I was like, this is, I can't be doing this. This is bad. Right. Like I, and I would be questioning myself because your brain tells you this is normal behavior. It's normal to entertain the thought of doing this. And then when I was Mm -hmm. acting upon it and not being successful, that's when I thought, I need, I need to tell somebody was my first thought. Yeah. Um, and in my story that I did with the helpline center of my survivor story, um, I share, I did tell family and friends and nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew what to yeah. say. Nobody, because I'm the, I'm the happy, silly, fun girl. Right. So like, yeah, I'm a woo girl. I'm, I'm always smiling. I'm giving hugs. Uh, and that was because in it, not anymore. I'm not hiding anything, but I didn't want to bring people in. I didn't want to burden them. I already thought I was such a burden on society, on my friends, because I was depressed and drinking and causing problems for them. I sure as heck wasn't going to bring them in on my, Hey, by the way, I've tried to kill myself, you know? Yeah. Um, but I can't remember who I told first or second, uh, I eventually told my psychiatrist because they ask you every time you go. So at the point that I was attempting to take my own life, I had been medicated for probably three years at that point. Um, We had tried so many different medications to get my balance right. And at the point I was trying to take my own life, I at that point felt numb. Like that was the first time that I remember feeling really stable but I couldn't laugh and I couldn't cry. And so I think that was the first time that I thought, well, this is what normal people feel like, you know, before I was medicated, I was just all over the board. I'd be super depressed for a week and then really happy. And then kind of in between and just wash, rinse, repeat. So then when I got to this like stable level of numb, I thought, oh my gosh, is this like the, what people strive for? And I hated it. Uh, and we'd done three years of trial and error on medication at that point that I just thought I'm out. I don't want to be a part of this. If this is what it feels like to be air quotes, normal, I don't want anything to do with it. Um, but every time you go to the psychiatrist, they ask you, have you been having suicidal thoughts or tendencies? And sometimes I'd lie to her, like when they say thoughts, cause I didn't want to get in trouble or be committed. So I would tell them, no, everything's fine. And I chose to tell my psychiatrist, I was like, yeah. I've been actively trying to end my life Mm. and she didn't judge me. She saw the urgency and we made a change that day. 
And I scheduled a talk therapy appointment that day in her office. And I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't an overnight thing. You know, I still struggled for a while, but I didn't try to take my own life after that day ever again. But she's the one that really saw the urgency and knew what to do. Um, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I chose to confide in somebody, uh, who, you know, like I had confided in some friends and family at that point, but never anybody who was a licensed medical professional or somebody who is a therapist, you know, and I'm just so glad that I did that because I'd be lying to you, Alicia, if I told you, I would know how to respond to somebody telling me that, which is so messed up because I've been there, you know, Mm -hmm. I sure, Mm -hmm. sure as heck wouldn't let them leave my site without getting some type of help calling 988, getting, getting attention from some type of medical professional, uh, because I know how, how slippery that slope can be, but that should just show everybody that we're not done talking about this yet. You know, I want every single person in this world to know what to do. If somebody tells you that me, your friend, your mom, your brother, just try to take my own life. What am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I I think it is one of those things too, because when I was a counselor, you know, we would have to do, you know, screenings and even as a counselor, and even with the training, when it's in front of you and someone's saying it, you kind of do say, what do I do? (laughs) You know, even with the training, because I remember, I remember being like, oh my God, um, it happened like a couple of times where someone's like, yeah, I don't feel right. You know? And I'm like, oh my God. And I remember just having the, the, I guess the urge to say, okay, you're not leaving. I need to figure this out. Stay here. Let me go get my supervisor. But it's like, for me, I think it's, you're afraid that whatever you do might be the wrong thing. So yes, I was just going to say that I never yeah. want to say, and even when I'm sitting here on this podcast, I'm like, oh crap, what if I say the wrong thing about what to do when somebody tells yeah. you that? Uh, yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I t- completely agree. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but what I did, what I did learn, um, and what I, I started to practice a lot of is just letting people know that there's a way out because a lot of times people are in tunnel vision and at that moment and at that feeling, they're like, I don't know what to do. I mean, this is where I'm at. This is where my head is. And they don't feel like there's a way out. So I'll, and I don't, I don't hope I'm hoping this helps helpful as we talk about it. Um, I just want people to understand as well. There's a way out. There's people that you can talk to, even if you feel like um, your family and friends won't necessarily get it. Talking to a, a, a doctor or a psychiatrist, a therapist, they're going to point you in the right direction. But it's so important to let people know what you're feeling because if it's on people's radar, they will be more sensitive to helping you. Yes. For me, I've seen people even on social media, family and friends, I've seen people put statuses that I'm like, that doesn't, okay, what's going on? And I would inbox them like, hey, mm-hmm. what's going on? Talk to me. I don't know what's going I don't know what I can say, but talk to me because I feel like at least you know that I'm here and I care. I might not know what to do from far away, but if you tell me something and I feel like I can reach out to someone that's in your area <laughs> to say, hey, get to this person, I will yes. only because I just want you to know that we're all, we got you, you know what I mean? And I think sometimes people feel like they don't have that support. 
just let people know that letting people know to me shows that you're not alone. And even if they don't necessarily know how to respond to it, if they love you, you're on their mind and they're going to be, they're going to watch you care more closely. You know what I mean? They might not know what to do, but they might be like, okay, are you you good? Okay. All right. Like what I mean, like it just makes them more aware. Um, No one deserves to struggle alone. And every time I share something about my journey, whether it's uh, my journey through cancer, my journey through weight loss, suicide, you know, sexual assault, um, somebody always messages me and I'm not being dramatic either. Every time I post something about that, I get some type of message. And sometimes it's from people I don't even know. Yeah. They saw my reel, they saw my TikTok. And they're like, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, yeah. when I was going through that, I didn't know other people. And they always say normal people. I didn't know normal people went through that. And that's yeah. what breaks my heart because honey, I am far from normal, right? <laughs> but like, yeah, the rest of us, uh, who look normal are going through, everybody Everybody's is going, going through, through. Yeah. Every yeah. single person is going through something and no one is talking about it. And so yeah. I'm here to change the narrative. You're here to change that narrative. And the more we can get people talking about things that aren't normal. And I'm saying aren't normal as in they're very normal, normal, normalize them. Yes. And I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not trying to say thinking about killing yourself is normal. It is not, you need help. You have a chemical imbalance. You are depressed. We got to fix, we got to figure this out because that's not Mm -hmm. the answer to however Mm -hmm. you're feeling. But when you're in that really deep hole, it doesn't matter what anybody tells you. You feel like there's no way, there's no way that I'm, you're going to ever feel better because you are so chemically imbalanced at that point. Yeah. And so I'm hopeful that if I share how I felt leading up to that and what got me there, somebody might pause and say, oh, I'm doing that too. Or I'm feeling that way too. Yeah. How can I start X, Y, and Z? Or how can I stop X, Y, and Z to stop me from getting to that point, to stop me from getting to a point where I feel like I don't need to be alive anymore. Yeah. Because I know that I don't have a huge impact on the people who are down, down in that hole. But the people on their way down, I can stop them and say, hey, come back up here. Here's how, yeah. here's how I can help you. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's important to the leading up to it. Because again, yeah, I think once it gets hard, like I said, once they get into the tunnel vision, it may be harder to kind of, you know, flush that out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But definitely leaving, leading up to it. Like, what are the signs? What are the symptoms? Like, what was it that you were experiencing that you're like, oh, okay this is, this is not good. But I wanted to ask you was how do you use like your title and your uh, being in pageantry? How do you use that to spread the word um, about um, suicide prevention and even recovery? Cause you said you're in recovery as well. How do you yeah. use your pageant title? Uh, so I'm working a, a lot to start a partnership with, uh, his name is Michael DeLeon. He's the guy that talks to us at the Victoria's voice dinner that we had at national. Oh, yes. And he's mm-hmm. with the steered straight organization. So yes. Michael's mission is to keep kids out of prison, keep kids off drugs. Um, 
he certainly is interested and I'm really interested in sharing the component of, I think it's a really unique combination that I have the title I do and that I'm uh, in recovery and that I've also attempted to take my own life. Um, I've dabbled in other substances before as well, just trying it out. And it's because I just was curious and I didn't know the repercussions of trying those things. So I'm going to be spending a lot of times in the high schools around the state. And eventually yeah. I'd love to be around the country, but we're going to start small and cool. just sharing my story. I know that's, I keep saying, share my story, share my story, but there's not a ton of people that share something of substance anymore. They share stuff yeah. to get a like or a comment, but they're not sharing the stuff that's impactful. And yeah. so I'm hopeful that the more I talk about it, the more other people will talk about it. And then, like you said, telling somebody helps somebody else out. Like, okay, now mm -hmm. you're on my radar. I know that next time I ask you, how are you? We're going to have a conversation about it. It's not just, Hey, mm -hmm. what's up? And then you say, good. And you just go to your office, you know? So, yeah. uh, spending lots of time in high school doing that. Um, I really, really like spending time doing volunteer stuff. And I, I wrestle a little bit with the sash and like posting, like, Hey, I'm doing this cool volunteer stuff because I am a mm. Christian woman and you're not supposed to brag about mm. doing volunteer stuff and good stuff for other people. You know, you're supposed to do your good deeds and move on. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but I'll do it because I hope I'm encouraging other people to do it too. It doesn't have to be this whole life of service to take your unused, mostly full bathroom items and drop them off at a women's shelter. You know, all the bath and body work stuff you get for Christmas that you like, <laughs> use twice and you never use it ever again. Okay. Put it in a bag mm -hmm. and bring it to somebody who literally had to leave their house in the middle of the night with their kids and has nothing. Next yeah. time you're at Target, buy two boxes of tampons and drop one off, you know, just yeah. Yeah. normalizing it more. Yeah. Uh, so many other programs out there besides dropping stuff off at Salvation Army or people send so many donations to Goodwill and Goodwill turns around and resells them. I'm not speaking poorly of Goodwill, but there are places yeah. that you can take those same items that could change someone's life and the person that's receiving them doesn't have to pay for it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm leaning into that and mm -hmm. that's mostly what I spend my pageant title time doing is either I'm volunteering somewhere um, and the fun stuff, right? Like there is fun stuff about, about it. I don't want to make it sound so serious, like pageantry. <laughs> we yeah. do a lot of fun stuff. Like, oh, the kids at the children's hospital, they just, they literally think you're a princess. I bought yes. some little like tiaras on Amazon and I brought them to the Aww. kids in the children's pediatrics. They were so excited. Aww. Uh, I have my cousin's little girls are seven, eight. And so I printed some headshots mm -hmm. and I signed them like an autograph sign. I'm like, I don't Aww. know who else is going to want to sign headshot of me. And I like a little fake sash and they thought it was the best thing ever. So I like to do fun stuff and have fun while I'm doing it too. But honestly, the reason I did the pageant was to try and help other people. And I thought it'd be yeah. pretty cool to see if I could personally challenge myself to compete on a stage for a beauty pageant because I've never done it. Yeah. And it's cool. It's cool because I think to me, um, I feel like pageantry, people forget that they're also human you know what I mean like it's a beauty pageant of course we get out on the stage we compete but also there's substance to us as well like a lot of us are doing it because they want to reach people they want to they have a story that they want to share they yeah. want to use the crown to be able to impact so that's why I really think it's important that what you're doing because it shows that we're human we may be pretty but we also have you know 
other things about us that, that we want to help and we want to spread the word about. What I wanted to also ask was, what is it that you want to leave, um, I guess, the audience with in the hopes of helping at least one person, one person out there? What is that you want to leave? What, what last words, I guess. Oh, man. I truly feel that your destiny is within your own grasp. And what I say is that I say that, and I mean, just because life deals you a really, a really tough hand, it doesn't mean you can't turn it around, but it's going to take a lot of work, right? Like if you're in a really tough spot, you have to dig deep and you have to work hard at changing the circumstances that you're in. So you have that destiny is within your grasp and within your control, but you have to work hard. Nothing is given to you. Uh, I feel like I just said 90 million cliche things in a row. So I, I really just want people to know, like, I feel like I have a mental health rap sheet almost of all the stuff I've been through in life, but I don't feel like I'm the only one. I I just sadly feel like I'm one of the only ones that's honest about it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not here to pretend that I'm a perfect person that I'm making the right choices, but I am here as living, breathing proof that you can turn it around, right? Like you can, you can become medicated if you feel like you're anxious or depressed, or if you are talking to somebody and you are noticing they sound like they're anxious. Most of the time Mm -hmm. you can ask them the question, have you thought about going to the doctor and talking about anxiety? I've said that so many times. And I always lead with, I don't mean to offend you, but have you ever considered that you might have anxiety? Yeah. And most of the time they have no idea. Like I shared in high school, I had no idea. I was just called an overachiever. uh, And really I was just riddled with anxiety. So you can go to the doctor and get medicated. If that's not the answer for you, you can start talk therapy. If you feel overweight and sad, you can call me anytime fitness. Hello, this is Megan. I'll help you out. But no, for real, if you feel like you're struggling with that, there are so many methods to feel better besides exercise. You know, people think I don't want to do a diet and exercise. You don't have to, you don't have to do both. You just make little changes here and there, and then you Mm -hmm. turn it around. And that's just really what I want to leave everybody with. Even when I go to heaven, I want people to know that I tried really hard to lead a really good life. And I tried to inspire other people to take the reins and change their life too, if they're really unhappy with where they're at. Yeah. And I was really surprised, uh, delightfully, that so many women in pageantry have a similar story to mine, actually. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's been through some stuff, some heavy, Mm -hmm. heavy stuff. Some women I met at um, nationals were miss and they had gotten out of a toxic relationship. They were 45 years old, kind of starting over. You know, they were a single woman for the first time in 20 years. And I just thought how hard that would be to leave pretty much everything you've known for the last 20 years and start over because for you. Yes. And there's women who were involved in sex trafficking that got out of it. There were women that were addicted to a substance, um, other than alcohol that came and shared their story with me too. Like sexual assault survivors, other suicide attempt survivors. Um, and I loved, loved that they came and told me that and felt comfortable sharing that with me afterwards. Hey, me too. The more we can do that, the better. And I was like you said, all those women are beautiful. Some of them don't have to work. They just get to stay home with their kids and have nice things. And how would they know what I'm going through? And nope, every, every person I talked to 
had a story. It was it awesome. Story. And they happened to be beautiful, talented. Beautiful. Every person there could have been Mrs. America, 100%. So that was a really cool, that was really cool to be a part of it. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And my time is almost running up, but I yeah. um, really enjoy talking to you. Um, I just think that it's important, like you said, for people to see pageantry from in a different perspective, because again, everyone has a story. Everyone has something that they've experienced. And I think, I definitely think it's a calling. Whatever is your platform is something that you were drawn to. And I think it's something about you that people will feel comfortable talking to you and saying, hey, me too. So I really, really thank you for just being a part of the podcast. Um, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, ma'am. Nice Thanks talking to you. Bye. Good to see you again. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. So that concludes today's episode of Momming, Wifing, and Queening. Remember, you can follow me on Instagram at The Alicia Shaw, as well as like my Facebook page, The Alicia Shaw. And don't forget to check out my blog at www.aliciashavon.com. That's www.aleshashevon.com, where you're able to get a glimpse of my life and thoughts, as well as purchase books. I have co-authors and shirts I have available as well. I pray that you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, y'all, I'm out.